The following is a presentation of the Boston Podcast Network. Podcasting is a great way for professionals to tell their story. Find out how you can get started at pod617.com. What up, gangsters? We've got a Christmas <laughs> gift for you. 30 years of back pay child support, you d- Thanks, Uncle Billy. Merry Christmas. Here's some blood on your hands that will never wash off. Blow some uh, white stuff all over it. Truly some of the biggest d- ever. Bah humbug. And we're back. Here we are on the Shawshank Podcast, the Pod 617 Network. I'm your host, Uncle Buck. And uh, with us, as always, to my right, let's go ahead and start there, Nikolai Stevens. Christmas was on its way. Lovely, glorious, beautiful Christmas, upon which the entire kid year revolved. That's Ralphie from a That's, Christmas oh, story. Oh, I just thought that was more. Yeah, that was a dumb Ralphie. I thought I would the, read some. Thought I would read was, some narration from. I just saw George, standing to my right, member here of the old Shawshank Pod yeah. team, in a Christmas story live on stage. So I thought maybe I would share some yeah, of the narration. I thought that was great. That was in full like uh, announcer <laughs> speak voice. Uh, since we've uh, mentioned George, let's go ahead and introduce Maddie Blake. I'm going to give you a little advice, Claire. Scrape him off. You want to save somebody? Save yourself. Oh, that's a really nice attitude. Merry Christmas. Bah humbug. Oh, fantastic. That's my favorite. Uh, is, that some, is that some Christmas vacation? Oh, Scrooge. Scrooge. We still haven't gotten you the watch uh, in a while. No, no, guys. I, so, between now and we record this, date of record, December 12th, 2018, and the 25th, I have a heavy slate of Christmas movies I need to watch and catch up. Like I, like I, it's been probably watch, been almost. Rewatch your first time watch. Well, I, some movies I have to. This is going to blow your mind. What I told Maddie today earlier, but. Um, I have to rewatch Elf. I haven't seen it in okay. 15 years, in and my five-year-old years? wants to see it. No, I haven't seen it since it came out. How, in theaters. how, how do you just I not don't turn know. the television on? It's I almost always know. on. AMC. I drive a Dodge Stratus. Uh, I haven't seen Christmas Vacation in probably 20. Shitter's, what? Shitter's been full a long time. Jeez, uh, that's even on like CBS. I haven't watched here. It's a Wonderful Life in maybe 10. Uh, wow, uh, and, and also. Because I know the family, especially my wife and the five-year-old, really want to go see Mary Poppins Returns. I have to see Mary Poppins for the first time. Never, never seen, seen Mary Poppins. Poppins. Get out of the wow. studio. Ever? Jeez. No. I guess we know that? who controls the remote in uh, the Stevens household. Uh, let's go to our last player of the night, uh, Georgie Kip. Thanks, Uncle Billy. Merry Christmas. Here's some blood on your hands that will never wash off. Wow. Wow. Nice job, Kip. All right, before this thing completely goes off the uh, rails, I feel like this is the uh, Polar Express on the on the ice at this point. I love that movie. Oh, it's, a, it's such yeah, a horrible, horrible adaptation you love Tom Hanks' rape stash. Let's get into the topic. Tom Hanks first shows up outside that house. You're going to let your kid go? Hot Here, chocolate. Hot, hot chocolate. There's this guy who shows up. He just tells the kid, so yeah. you, you coming? Hey, hey kid. Are you- <laughs> my magical train? Yeah. You want to come my magic train as he walks out there like with his little pedo stash? <laughs> <laughs> oh, and here's Elf Steven Tyler. Oh, yeah. Remember I'm that. Chris right. Hansen. Before we get into the worst. It is a great book, though. I did read the book for the first time last year. It's an awesome book. It is a great book. It's a fantastic book. Then you're like, oh, the movie's fun. And then you read the book and you're like, wait a second. This book is amazing. Why does everyone have to look like waxed animated dead people? Or yeah. and then you got the super That's what they annoying do, right? kid with the glasses. Hey, purple shimers! Oh, oh so annoying. Ruins the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, that I and the hobo makes it. no sense. Uh, all right, let's go ahead and get into the topic of the pod. 
Uh, that is uh, our list of the 12 dicks of Christmas. You heard us right. The 12 dicks of Christmas. Who are the 12 characters that absolutely bring Christmas down? And we're talking about pop culture reference at Christmas. Uh, so what we're going to do is go around the room. We each have three picks to make 12, My ma- if my math is correct. Uh, so why don't we go ahead and start first. To my right, Nicholas Stevens. Who is the first dick of Christmas? Bah, humbug. Even though the two of them seem as though they were trained at Three Stooges Academy, that they are a lot, like, should we say, like, students of the Lotsi, of great physical comedy, and as these uh, jesters, these goofs come into the court of John Hughes and bring light, laughter, and levity, their original intent was so nefarious to rob during the holidays, twice the abandoned homes of the McAllister family. I, fortunately, I've never been the I've never been the victim of a house of a house robbery, but I can only imagine that it's a it's it's a it's a feeling that leaves you gutted. And, 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 who, and who are the two people? Well, I mean, I'm emotionally house robbed every day with <laughs> true, <laughs> true. No, no, but like, thank, thankfully, like no nobody here, none of us have ever been ver- like had their car jacked or like had their home robbed, yeah. right? So to. To th- like to think that it would be done during the holidays, and yet at the same time, they're absolutely hilarious. But what dicks? What a bunch of dicks! Harry and Marv, the wet bandits from Home Alone, are. We know that you're in there. <laughs> they are truly some of the biggest dicks ever. Now, that save that. I, all right, now, <laughs> save that drop. Save that drop. <laughs> Try, I mean, think about it. These guys, the, you know, uh, you know, casing the house, driving by in the van. Pretending to be helpful, all nice, and they get inside the house, and all they want to do is posing as cops, posing as cops, a cop, yeah, impersonating cops on top of it all. I know. In this day and age, and then when they go up against the mastermind that is Kevin McAllister, uh, not once but twice. How can the same? I mean, where's the diehard line there? <laughs> How can the same shit happen to the same house robbers twice? They're, I mean, they're. It seems a weird first pick because they are so funny and because right. everything that happens to them is just so outrageous. Sidebar, anyone listening right now, either A, pull over and read this, or B, bookmark it for later. The piece on the internet about what would actually happen to human beings if everything actually happened yeah. to you if you were the wet bandits. Yeah. Uh, like the first brick that he throws <laughs> from the top of the five-story building would kill somebody. <laughs> Maddie, kill somebody. That, that's also peak Macaulay Culkin right there, correct? Yeah, well, it's also wildly. <laughs> that was so awesome. George said it like, like we throw right now. We throw it down to the field for further analysis from George and Matty. George, how do you see it right now? Fantastic. Panda watch. It's also. <laughs> What's the guy Boogie who's up in the? <laughs> no. <laughs> no, but you like took it naturally and segued it to Matty. So sports. <laughs> Um, it's also wildly inaccurate because I don't know if you guys have seen any mug shots lately of the type of guys who are doing home invasions. <laughs> but they don't look like plump little Italian guys, and uh, the other guy doesn't look like a tall Richie Guttingham. They're usually meth addicts, and they're there to do harm. They're not these lovable bumpkins who trip over right. each other. They're complete, oh, complete lovable goofballs. And they literally look like the stock version yeah. of like what... Home invaders would have looked like 60 years ago, too. Yeah, they're not and the way they behave, there's complete stooges. I will say, though, uh, that when I saw it live the first time, uh, when when 
Joe Pesci opens the door. Live? They were filming it. Mm-hmm. I did. I was there. In, I was there in Chicago. When the first time I saw it in the theater, when Joe Pesci opens the door in Home Alone Part One, and that ignites the old-fashioned flamethrower that somehow a nine-year-old has rigged to the top of the door, and it burns his head, and it holds on Pesci screaming for like eight seconds. Yeah, it's like a oh wildly coyote. Oh my god! It was. It was like <laughs> Maybe this is an Elon Musk origin story. With the flamethrower. The boring flamethrowers. Oh, there it is. Well, that's I did Pesci right after Goodfellas. Like, that's prime Pesci. <laughs> no, it, it, I think, is wasn't Pesci? <laughs> Maddie, that's prime Pesci. No, the crazy thing is, this is, I think it went 89 and 91 or 89 and 92. Right, yeah. So you saw this and you're like, isn't it right? It was in Home Alone right yeah. before Goodfellas? Right after Goodfellas. Because it, it was it, a Christmas movie. 89, 90, I think. I think it, 90, or it was 90, 91. I think it was 90 and 90. Yeah. But. What's funny about Pesci, though, he also did Raging Bull, and then he went and did Easy Money. <laughs> so he's got like a, like um, he's got, like, well, my cousin Vinny was right before Casino, so he's yeah. always got to do a comedy right before or right after. His comedy's one, great. One too. of his gut wrenching uh, dramas. I think one of the things that makes him the biggest dicks, though, is at one point when they finally catch the kid, they basically want to do all the same things to him. And at one point, Pesci talks about biting his fingers off. Do exactly what he did to us. I'm gonna burn his head with a blowtorch. And he's I mean, holding his nuts. fingers. Yeah. yeah. Right. So, all right, let's they move on to They wanted to maim the... the poor kid, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of other bah humbuggish types, but they they had real criminal intent, and yet they delivered the laughs, but uh, the Wet Bandits, bunch of dicks. Good, good number 12. All right, uh, let's go to number 11. Kip, you're on the board. Bah humbug. This is kind of a controversial pick, as most of mine are, but I picked The Sun from Frosty the Snowman. Oh, oh Frosty's Sun? No, the actual sun, the blazing oh, the hot yellow sun. Orb and, of light and heat. Yes, uh, from Frosty the Snowman that we learned in um, science class in the fourth grade. And let me just say, in the classic tale Frosty the Snowman, the number one dick is not Did Professor Did you just education Hinkle. shame everyone as to when yeah. we learned about the sun? The inept in the fourth grade. Professor Hinkle was the inept magician who, after failing his first trick, throws his hat away, thus enabling the town's children to take their magic hat and wake up Frosty. So... The biggest dick in this special is the sun for a few reasons. One, the sun causes Frosty to melt, essentially killing him. And two, during the process to get Frosty to the North Pole, Karen, the child that Frosty abducts to join him on this journey, becomes deathly uh, well, abdu- ill. Uh, Listen, abduct is to, a strong word. Sorry, abduct is a strong she word. She becomes deathly dick? ill due to the contentious temperatures. The lack of sun is literally killing this girl. So as a viewer, we are to pick our poison. Let Frosty die or let Karen die. Because of the lack of sun. Either, I, I either was, she gets it. <laughs> I was rooting. <laughs> I was rooting for both of them to bite it because they both sucked. Unfortunately, <laughs> happy they both, birthday. <laughs> they both survived to do some BS about Christmas snow and magic. But the sun is definitely a huge dick in the white ass of Frosty the Snowman. Wait, now, wow. now we're no, wow. it was a metaphorical. George. Merry Christmas, children. It, you know, the sun's dangerous. That, how about that it's creepy dangerous. that creepy magician chasing the children around? No. <laughs> this effeminate, weird, angry magician. Professor Hinkle. Of course, the effeminate oh. part doesn't make him bad. <laughs> no, no, I'm just saying. I'm just we don't we don't see his wife. Hi everyone, Nick here in the logic section of the Pod Six One Seven Network. Uh, so far, we've offended transgender people, Asians, Asians. <laughs> oh, a rabbit's in my hat. Let me pull out this other scarf. Where's my magic hat? So keep the rabbit's name is Hocus we've offended Pocus. everyone. Hocus and that's Pocus only ten minutes in. Back to you, Maddie. Hi everybody, I'm Chami Perel. Let me take a minute to tell you about the Boston Podcast Network. How would you like your own podcast? The Boston Podcast Network can produce one for you. 
Whether you're a lawyer, financial advisor, business owner, or really any kind of professional, you should have your voice heard through this exciting new medium. A good podcast is more powerful than traditional advertising. If a prospective client hears your podcast through their earbuds, you're already in their head. Literally, pod617.com will help you deliver a message and build relationships. Clients and centers of influence will delight in being a guest on your show. Go to pod617.com to start planning. And in the meantime, listen to the great shows they've already produced. The Irreverent Bitchless Bride Podcast. The hilarious show known as Shawshanked. And the wild trip through the paranormal that is Monsterland. Be part of the pod revolution. Visit pod617.com. In pod, we trust. Maddie, the the number 10 dick of Christmas. (laughs) Ah, humbug. Alright, I... Took uh, for this week for the first time. It's a tough act to follow. Oh my god! I've stolen George's method. I usually go stream of consciousness and all these things, but this week I wrote them down like George. So my uh, third pick is Walter, Buddy's dad in the movie Elf. All right, uh, let's get it over with. Played by the great James Con, this rageaholic ex hippie turned ruthless children's book exec is apparently the Antonio Cromartie of the publishing world. <laughs> Working as North Pole all around town, leaving his poor baby mama no choice but to dump his seed upon the lap of Bob Newhart. I don't care where you go. I don't care that you're an elf. I don't care that you're nuts. I don't care that you're my son. Get out of my life. Poor Ernest Buddy just wants his daddy, but Walter's so busy yelling at his employees, being a dick to his wife, ignoring his ugly kid, and trying to institutionalize Buddy that they have no chance in a relationship. Here's a straitjacket for Christmas, son, who I deny. (laughs) Not even Sam Malone's wife can totally melt Walter's icy heart. It literally takes the actual Santa Claus to come down from the North Pole and Roswell crash into Central Park to finally push him into some semblance of decent humanness. So now you decide he's your kid. What about Bob Newhart, who actually loved and raised your son? Yeah, Pup Elf. Now he gets to see him on weekends on a furlough. Fuck you, Walter. I've got a Christmas (laughs) gift for you. 30 years of back paid child support, you dick. Nice. Now, see, that's how you do it. Now, that's like a a proper, like... That, like, like the sun, solid, funny, the sun. informative. Nope, nobody was actually offended. No ethnic groups are picketing the podcast, <laughs> even though they don't know we're recording it. There you go. But uh, yeah, he's so mean in that movie to everyone, especially Buddy, until right. like literally the last, well into the third act. He yeah. starts to warm up halfway through. He has a couple moments where he goes, all right. I'll play nice, but he just but wants it, to just institutionalize well, him the whole time. Even when the entire New York City is singing along, even see, he's sitting there mouthing him. Yeah, uh, he's just a miserable know, prick. Won't even do that. Well, here's the question. The question. I guess maybe we didn't even really address this at the top, though. Obviously, action movies, any sort of hero's quest or journey has to have a, a good villain, like or a good uh, something they have to overcome or accomplish or defeat. But don't you feel like Christmas movies or holiday movies, especially, have to have? almost over-the-top or excessively bad people. Dicks, if you will. That's yes. why we're not calling them the villains or bad guys. They have to kind of be dicks so that not only can we overcome them, but then we can get to the reward, which is the holiday joy afterwards. So, like, James Caan in that movie is Buddy's dad is perfect. He's, yeah. abs- I mean, he's the perfect choice. He's the Grinch. To perfection. Yeah, he's, he's Bob Humbug. He's the yeah. Grinch. He's a, and that's, that's a good point, Nick, actually, because there are dicks in a lot of these movies and it's like Christmas itself is so saccharine right and so built on nostalgia and good feelings that it does make sense that it, it sets up great for a foil character right but, it, but in, in a lot of these stories the foil character ends up 
turning the other cheek course, by the end of, of course, course. course. Christmas, the christmas yes. spirit except Absolutely. for the uh remember that what was that hallmark christmas movie i got skin cancer <laughs> yeah, that, that didn't end up too well. the fucking sun <laughs> all right we're gonna move on to my pick for uh the dick of christmas number nine bah, humbug i'm gonna go ahead and pick ron howard that's right, the director of How the Grinch Stole Christmas. And here's why Ron Howard is Wait, mine. He's deserving. Wait, Buck, did he direct that movie yes, with Jim Carrey? Yes. Jim Carrey thank you. That, so, uh, thank you for this pick. Yes. So the original cartoon classic of How the Grinch Stole Christmas, okay, uh, narrated by the great Boris Karloff. Oh, Mr. Grinch. Uh, don't touch it. You can't touch Don't ever touch that. Oh, it, it, it's one it of the great- It is so much better than the Peanuts one. Spoiler, we'll get to that later. And here's what I happens. I think it, the Grinch is perfect. The film starts with Anthony Hopkins narrating the beginning of the book. And you go, oh my goodness, this actually might be something. Instead, it's two hours of shit. Starring Jim Carrey, it is over the top worst, including a little homage to, to Ron to Howard Ron in the Howard middle wearing of the hat. It. Yeah, yeah, wearing the sailor hat and directing his goddamn dog. Uh, think about this. The movie is so bad, the story is so bad, you are rooting for the Grinch in the film to kill all the Who's and like wipe out Christmas for the Who's mm-hmm. because it's so painful, it's so terrible. And so this might even be more about, less about Ron Howard specifically, and more about these people that want to take a Christmas classic like the Polar mm-hmm. Express mm-hmm. and feel the need to flubberize it out to length of yep. a two-hour film. Yep. Okay, you, these things don't need to happen. What w- would it be so horrible if you heard there was a forty-five-minute or an hour-long Christmas movie, maybe even at half, God forbid, half price to take your kid As to? As a parent, like, hey, guess what? You get to take your kid to a fifty-five-minute movie. Uh, oh wow, that's that's. You mean yeah. thirty-five minutes less of nonsense, special effects, exposition, and bullshit? I don't have to try to keep them in there, glued to their seat with candy and popcorn and yep. tricks too. And stick to the story. Uh, you I think, know, you know I think Polar right? Express is eighty minutes, which I think is a, a good amount of time for a, a and kid's only movie. and only thirty-five of it. You're wondering what Tom. Hanks is going to do with but those even, children. But <laughs> even Polar Express, they invent the annoying kid. They have like yeah. roller coaster rides, the whole thing. It, you know who got it right? Mickey's Christmas Carol. Mickey's yes. Christmas Carol 20, follows the Christmas Carol. 22 minutes. Yes. And, and you know what they did before that? They added some fluff of like Disney, you know, winter little cartoons. Yeah. And it but was, that and scene though, that, that scene though where Scrooge was BFing Bob Cratchit was weird. That was kind of odd. <laughs> hey, guess what? Literally tiny, a dick of Tiny Christmas Tim. Movie. Guess what? The cure for polio is not for 100 years. Congratulations on the Christmas goose. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. All right, let's You have... What you do is this one. All right, you know what? We haven't done a podcast in a while. You have pent up all of your crazy. (laughs) You need to get a radio show every day. Maddie has the right therapy. Like, this is what we do every day. Uh We just get our crazy Uh out every day. Little bits every day. You have pent up so much (laughs) racism, anger, and crazy. It is all coming out. This is going to go viral for all the wrong reasons. No, but Buck, all right, if I can, because, you know, it's great when we can ever, like, stitch a quick anecdote to all these things, and there's no such thing as a quick anecdote with me. I apologize. (laughs) A few weeks ago, I was on the Cape for a little cold weekend with the family, and we were scrolling through Netflix looking for something, couldn't decide, and so someone said, let's watch The Grinch and start getting the holiday spirit. (laughs) Black Dynamite. So It's a real movie, Black Nativity. So my wife says, like, that's what Thomas wants, my five-year-old wants to watch. Wife says yes. We put it on. I had just crushed like a crowler of really good IPA, so I was half in the bag. I'm eating pizza, and even half in the bag, I was like, <laughs> "Oh my god, this is so bad!" I 
convinced the two of them. I was like, we have to stop watching this because yeah. I do not want Thomas. To I was able this. to see through yeah. a really good Saturday night yeah. buzz and a delicious pizza dinner on the sofa and say, I do not want him thinking of this. It's creepy. Christine Baranski and all the people uh, with those little hoos. mouse noses, the who's ghoulish. They're, they're creepy. Yeah. The and, same and, way that I find Yellow Submarine creep like the, all of the the design, the animation, the execution is so twisted. It's a, it bothers me. It's a great pick, Buck. It's so surprising coming from Ron Howard too, because he's the in a lot of ways uh, from his child acting career through the movies he makes is the king of sentiment, sure. the king of heart. Paul Thirteen, think yeah, about that. yeah, and he you know. created this world. This dark, small—it does. It feels claustrophobic. His his cave lair to the town is 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 claustrophobic, and the town itself is super fake. It's a soundstage, clearly. Right. Um, It was almost reminding me of the Batman. Batman. I was just thinking, it's like Max Shrek in the town and Batman Returns. It's like, oh, so you guys all get set. You guys all get together in town set square. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. We'll just blow some uh, white stuff all over it. Oh, don't save that drop. All right. Look what's happened! Look what no, has happened to us. <laughs> but it's that, yeah. It's, and what, what's really sad is that I don't think anybody who went and saw the film really thought it was that great. If any, like even the biggest fan can't admit that it's a great movie, but that many people wanted to see something and they trusted in Ron Howard and he completely shared all of it. That was the number one uh, highest-grossing film of that year. Also, sad for Jim Carrey because I've seen him talk about in interviews. Like he had to go through, he had a naval SEAL guy, a, a literally Navy yeah. SEAL, train him in how to handle pain because the prosthetics and the eye things he wore hurt him so bad that he couldn't act. And the guy came in and worked with him how to mentally work through pain. So oh. it was terribly painful. That was the guy that was like, like pinching him in, yes. the, in the leg yes. and, and focusing yes. on that. Yes. And dealing, to like, get through oh the, my so, God. So it was just a disaster all the way through. Curse right. movie. Let's move on to uh, He's the never been the same since. dick of Christmas. Nick? Bah, humbug. All right, second round. Round two. My pick. You know what? I think this is this is the biggest bitch She's the biggest bitch. Uh, was bitch the word the you biggest used jerk. in uh, trials? Yeah, no, right. it wasn't. <laughs> Rhymes with punt. Oh, uh, boy. Ironically. Ironically, which is what her friend or supposed friend was never able to do. And in this particular special, this is a, a, a beloved, cherished holiday special that is so full of flaws and is so tragic in so many ways. Disagree. I mean, I love it, but it's still a mess. It's still one of the few that actually talks about Christmas. It does, though. At least it talks about Christmas. It's not as bad as the Halloween one. We the know Halloween that and the sure. Thanksgiving ones are terrible. Yeah, terrible. Well, not terrible, but they're watchable. I mean, what, we, like the Thanksgiving one, the Charlie Brown Thanksgiving. That's you awful. let a fucking dog cook. What do you think he's going to make? Toast and popcorn, asshole. <laughs> with jelly beans. That's delicious. It is. <laughs> On a tennis table. <laughs> Thanksgiving Big one is so messed up. Mean and, and like and in the Thanksgiving one, there's just like some soul singer in the background, like yeah, we've been making this dinner tonight. It's so messed up. But anyway, I'm talking about Lucy in a Charlie Brown Christmas. God, she is such an asshole. Yes. Why does she get off? Like we all, there was always one semi-hot girl. That like, like from when you first were interested in girls in like fifth grade or so, and then through junior high and what whatnot, you'd always sort of be interested in because she was kind of hot, but then maybe it was the bad attitude that turned you on to her a little bit more. Not and Lucy, Lucy, by well, by peanut standard, she's a babe. 
I mean, Charlie looks like he spent the entire summer. By the way, Charlie Brown, chemo. there's a pube on your say, forehead. He was literally at Camp Chemo the entire summer. <laughs> I mean, listen, I, I, God forbid it sun, ever again, touches any of our families. It was Nick the sun. Nick gives to Camp Chemo every summer. Right. Well, I give it to the Hole in the Wall gang, but jeez, uh, Louise. She's just so unnecessarily mean over and over. You see Charlie Brown's got a tough life. He got rocks in his Halloween bag. His fucking dog made toast and jelly beans for Thanksgiving, and everyone yells at him. All people do is go... It's funnier when you say his fucking dog, as opposed to Snoopy, I know. And people just shit on this kid all the time. And she's got to pull the football out, and he's trying to direct the show. You're a blockhead. Your tree is stupid. It's just nonstop. Enough's enough. We have never seen... Uh, what I want to see is some fan to do an animated version where Charlie Brown just just dresses L Lucy Fuck, down. <laughs> now you are going to hold down that football until Charlie Brown kicks it. You got that? <laughs> yes. Go ahead, Charlie. Yay! And you know what else? I did some checking around. You're not a licensed therapist. <laughs> no, it just lets her know what he like how all that felt because Christmas is about, by the time you get to the end, it's great they have the spirit, but I hate for kids to watch that kind of mean on the way to getting to the nice message. Do you find end. it encouraging at one point, Lucy says, Charlie Brown, you need involvement. You should be the director of our of our Christmas play. To set him up for failure. To, to, well, all right. I see your point, Buck. Yeah, but she's also criticized. Like, that's fake. That's false praise. Yeah. You know, that's, she's... She's like she's encouraging him, but all she's really doing yeah, is crazy. And, and like, I only say set him up for failure because what's the one thing that Lucy's always known for with Charlie? Go ahead and run twenty five yards right, and right. try and kick this and whoop. So this Pull is a away. this is a this theatrical is a, version. Uh, football. Yeah, that's right. It's it's a movie that, by the way, I'm surprised they still play because it ends with them reading scripture. Right. Which would never Lights, happen please? today. Yeah, that Never. that has to be grandfathered Never. in because it's yeah. so cherished. Right. Oh, it'll be kicked well, off the air within five the years. The are there every it, year. Within five yeah. years, save this. Somebody, it'll either no longer be played on the air because of that, or they'll edit that part out where they read scripture. Honestly, mark five my years, words. The network may not be around because mark everything's my going words. to. Everything's I think, going I think to Schultz, videos, so. yeah. Schultz watching a documentary on that said, "If we don't tell the kids, if we don't tell them what the spirit of Christmas is, who's gonna?" Who's going to? Obviously, Jim Davis in the uh, <laughs> yeah, right. in the Garfield. Garfield special, which was gimme, gimme, gimme. How do you not watch Garfield every year? All right, let's go to number seven now. Uh, George, question. what do you got? Ah, humbug. All right, uh, so I'm going to go uh, with Miss Shields from A Christmas Story. Kind of an odd pick from this movie. Okay. Uh, we all had that one teacher who we kind of crushed on, and young Ralphie had Miss Shields, a sunny yet strict educator, who advised the school children to watch their margins and frowned upon their poor practical joking. Um, so Ralphie presents a large fruit poor basket. practical joking. <laughs> <laughs> presents a, a large fruit basket as a Christmas gift for Miss Shields that must have cost him at least a month's sal uh, allowance salary. A uh, very nice gest gesture if there ever was one. But imagine the heartache he must have experienced after taking the time to write the perfect theme entitled What I Want for Christmas with his best handwriting and his notepad. And he knows exactly what he wants. The Red Rider be begun. And it's straight to the point. And Miss Shields crushes his spirit with a grade of C plus in the comment. You'll shoot your eye out. Disappointment, heartache, and a poor grade. Ralphie needed an attaboy. You know, like a way to go. Good job. Yeah. To continue his pursuit of the Red Rider BB gun. Said, Ralphie lost a mentor that day. <laughs> the, the, the fruit basket alone, I thought, was worth a B. 
but Miss Shields darkened the child's willingness to learn on that day. So nice. Kind of a dour teacher. Yeah, you know. But then, like the like, oh, granted, anytime you see her in a positive light, it's in a dream sequence. But wasn't she the embodiment also of just being like a butthole? Well, no, he kind of crushed on her. The butthole she, teacher. He, she, he had a crush on her. And would always uh, in the book it goes a little further about how he you there's know, a I'm book mad. to the Christmas story. Yeah, it was based on a book. All uh, and God story, right? and, oh, and God we right. trust. I'll let us pay cash. Yeah. So when he would protect her from uh, lions that escaped the uh, zoo with his BB oh, gun. That's right. Yeah, mm-hmm. so, ah, you know right. that movie. No matter how many times I've seen it, there's there's two scenes of Christmas movies that three three that always get a huge lump in my throat and I well up and I've seen them thousands of times. The uh, scene with with. Um, and it's a wonderful life when he when he went Mary keep playing when he trashes everything yeah. on it and then she kicks him out and he goes Mary that scene gets yeah. me um Scrooge's final monologue yeah. Bill Murray and then yeah. and then you want it and then you want to give it on and then he just starts to lose it yeah. Oh, yeah. that one gets me and the final line to a Christmas story I swear I'll get I'll, I literally I might I'm yeah. well up oh, as yeah, I say yeah, yeah. It. and he goes it was the greatest gift I had ever received or ever would receive as and that just it's great it's nice me. and it's because you see it through that like the vignetted window like, yeah like, and, and at that point you realize oh yeah of course this narrator is him at 50 years old looking back on this Christmas and I think right. he gets so lost in the story you don't realize that and it's like and then you immediately go back to your rosebud whatever it was right. like the, you, we all had the greatest gift right. and our dad usually was you know, omnipresent and oh, all that stuff is right. just the pride your memory. father felt. Gavin, oh. what's the name of the actor again who played the dad? Darren, Darren McGavin. Darren McGavin, thank you. Who's so funny so in so good. many movies, but he's so. I mean, you want to talk about? I mean, if we were doing a podcast on the best performances in Christmas movies, Since, Darren McGavin yeah. as the dad in a Christmas Story would have to be up for it. And that it, it's it's great. How about just the like son. You remember the? <laughs> you remember the joy though? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who played the, Helios? The, the, there's a who? moment in because, like Nick said, we had just done the play. There's a moment where he says that in the play, and it's so powerful because you look down and you could tell he's looking at his parents too, and his parents are probably dead, not of course, al- not of course, alive anymore. Yeah. It's the best gift I ever received or would ever receive, uh, and he's looking me. at the family. Oh, yeah, it's so beautiful! Yeah, it's great. It's yeah. it's just awesome. such a great freaking moment. The shields, sure, though, uh, getting off spectacular hip shots. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> let's go to number six, Maddie. Who do you got? Ah, humbug. I'm going with Todd and Margot Chester. There we go. Here These we are go. the neighbors to the Griswolds, played by Julia Louis-Dreyfus and Nick Guest, who's an underrated character now, actor, by but, the way. But Chester, that's their last name. Yes. That's, is that mentioned in the film? Uh, yeah, I think at okay. one point they Chester, do okay. say it very quickly, or, or he says, I'm going over to Chester's or something like that. I don't I remember see, specifically. Yeah. Uh, little side note here before I get into my why there's such Christmas dicks. Uh I actually did a commercial one time, Nick. Nick loves mm-hmm. when I tell self-aggrandizing anecdotes. Uh, uh, it's my <laughs> um, favorite part. But this is actually kind of cool. I did it on this uh, on this lot that was a, a you know a studio lot, right. Warner Brothers studio lot, and the house that I got dressed I'm up sorry, in. What major motion picture film lot was that? Warner Brothers. Oh, okay, I'm mm-hmm. not familiar, but I'm sure they were big. Yeah, they were big yep. at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and the house that I got ready in was the Lethal Weapon house, where they have the fight from Lethal Weapon. And then the house the that we shot as our as our fake house right. was the Christmas Story Griswold house. That's fantastic. So that's kind of cool. Isn't that crazy? That is that's also quiet. like I mean, I've that heard they're that story across the street times, from each other. They're right cool. next to each other, actually. They're right next to each other. And then there's the house in the middle that they used the exterior of the middle that show at Trisha Eaton's at the end of that street. They've used it for Partridge Family Houses at the end of that street. Wow. So it's got all this history. They use it all the time for all different types of shows. Oh, very cool. 
Anywho, let's talk about Todd and Margot. Uh, this bitch tries to ruin Christmas for a dad just trying to give his family the ultimate Christmas light show. She's a constant nag, and her pussy whip boyfriend, a cross between David Copperfield and Pat Riley, personifies 80s douche. Luckily for us, they get what they deserve for Christmas. A treat through the window, Todd gets some spousal abuse, and to top it off, a perfectly timed squirrel attack. Get some spousal abuse. Now, guys, as you know, the 80s yuppie is the precursor to the current day hipster. I know Nick knows that, so you'll be happy to learn. I recently did a Facebook search on Margot and Todd, and I found them. They have turned their 80s yup for 0000s hipster, and they currently live in a $4.5 million a month, one-room, environmentally-friendly, solar-powered, converted dumpster apartment in Brooklyn. Todd has traded a slick-backed hair for an oversized lumberjack beard, even though he's never held an axe and does not know how to fix a tire, while Margot is running the Brooklyn chapter of the hashtag MeToo lobby, and it's a professional protest sign maker. Fuck you, Todd and Margot, and Merry Christmas. Oh, hey, fuck, bend over. Hey, didn't they have... I wasn't talking, I wasn't talking to talking you. To me. <laughs> didn't they have, like, in that house... It, it, like, it, does anyone actually know, by the way, like any people that were probably like late 20s, early 30s that like lived that sort of like gaudy 80s Miami yeah, like, Vice art nu- nouveau deco existence? Yes, yes, yeah. Uh, you know, like with like, didn't they have like a neon, like, a, like, like, the, stair- like the thick glass? The stair- they yeah, had the neon Yeah, the high five, yeah, the high five wheel CD player that played vertically. Yes, yes, So ultra 80s. The tree destroys that, which is awesome. What yeah, what would those people really be like today? Like, like, do we know? That's what I was thinking of. That's that's the convert. I feel like the the overpriced yuppie at that age of the 80s, because the yuppie of the 80s were mostly our parents, um, so they're just old now. But the super young adopter of like technology and stuff, I think now would be the aging hipster. Yeah. So I think that's why I did that little right. gag because I was like, where would they be now? I asked myself yeah. that question. I was like, but- a young, uh, uh, young yuppie who was all into hi-fi stereo equipment, all that stuff, and the glass sleek table. I think at some point would trade it in for the fake outdoorsman look no, no kids but it, no yeah. kids yeah. of course yeah. not kids oh. are awful yeah. but also like everything from they the, from the fixtures the over the dining room table to the to the uh, j- workout the running jogging yes. suits like yeah. the, everything was absolutely a good one Maddie I liked that a lot they were uh, they were, so I mean, yeah, they were, awesomely awful and the funny thing is there's already a villain established in this movie it's his boss yes right because he wants that raise and he wants excuse me he wants that Christmas bonus that he's counting on so very much so you know that we've got some, and, not to count the in laws and the yeah, his parents are Colorado's miserable, gonna miserable jerk. Her father's an asshole. Right. He's a real jerk. And my favorite line of that movie is the black cop. When he's like, you <laughs> can't rubber hose. <laughs> well, that's pretty low, mister. If I had a rubber hose, I would beat you. Like, honey. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. And to uh, top it all off, he's got the worst neighbors ever. So basically, yeah. it's just like, uh, Christmas Vacation, in a lot of ways, is kind of like a Job story. Ooh. It just keeps wow, yeah. raining down yeah, on him every, yeah. around every right. corner right. and turn. And he I wouldn't be surprised if they sort of did, didn't almost make it like, let's just do like a twisted little holiday, uh, you know, Griswold family Job story. And man, God bless Chevy Chase with his fastball in that movie and oh. every scene. And when he loses it, you know, that it is, Edward. That it is indeed. And then he, my, actually, no, I have another favorite line. When he's in the bathroom and she's like, Clark, you all right? He's like, yeah, we needed a coffin. <laughs> I mean a tree. A tree, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, no, that probably right, was the height. Yeah. I want. All right. So now, as we do this, I'm thinking like, all right. So we're gonna finish. We'll be done by 9 p.m. Like, I think I probably have a movie in me tonight. Yeah. Now in this podcast, I'm trying to figure out which of these movies I'm gonna start tonight. I'm yeah. starting Barry tonight. Mary Poppins. 
Mary Poppins will change your life. At 9 o'clock by myself on a Wednesday night? You'll, you'll be weeping at 11. No, it's, i got to be that family style. Weep. All right, all right. And i got to save L for the kids. I think, but I can't watch. Scrooge, Scrooge, you know what? Scrooge to a Christmas vacation tonight. Everyone yeah. listen to this. Watch these movies again. Do it I, again. I do think Don't it be is, tired out by them. Do it. It's a treat. It's yeah. fun. Put I do you think it is funny that, I mean, clearly we made a great case for why Todd and Margo are dicks. But really... <laughs> What do they do in this movie? They pull into their driveway at one point, <laughs> and another victims. at another point they're sitting calmly in their That's living true. room. At another, and, at another point, one of them's just going to go out for a run, and and there's a chemical toilet in his front yard being unloaded. <laughs> Shit, literally coming out of a pipe. Sure was full. Uh, the, the, full. Their, their stereo was destroyed by large chunks of ice, and uh, you know there's a tree went through their window. Oh, and by the way, they went to actually just say, "Hey, by the way, is that your fucking tree?" And you were attacked by a squirrel. So, so, really, did they, did, did, were they really the dicks? All right, so anyway, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and move on to number five. That would be my pick. Catch up my coat and whack with a hammer. I will also say, my, my brother called me the other day, and he goes, I'm watching a movie that always reminds me of you. I'm like, oh, what's the movie? Thinking like, oh, this could be something great. He goes, Christmas Vacation. I go, why is that? He goes, because you're the guy that always tries to do things over the top. And then he just kind of caught himself, and he goes, but you pull it off so well. Nice. <laughs> uh, so my uh, pick for the number five dick of Christmas Humbug. I am going to go with Santa from Rudolph. You know Dasher and Dancer and Prancer and Vixen. Now, listen, there's a lot of examples of Dick Santas in all of the uh, Christmas specials and movies that we've seen. (laughs) The one from Rudolph. And a lot of of dicks in this. In this, this, yeah. But for me. Santa from Rudolph takes the cake. How about this? Here's a guy who, you know, everyone's there to serve him, and at one point he's like, oh, I, I, you know, I can't focus because this elf song is driving me crazy. Yeah. Uh, or, or, or this is my favorite thing of all time when it comes to this special. He literally shames Donner mm-hmm. for having a kid with a disability. Yes, yes. Uh, he, he talks it's about. He talks about. What a shame. You know, like, what a shame you had and this he had child. potential, too. Yeah, yeah. What oh. a great takeoff. Just embarrassing. And the guy is obviously on a, a fitness kick the entire offseason because yeah. he's thin. Well, oh, eat, eat. We want a fat Santa. Uh, maybe one of the great dicks of in the, all yeah. time. But I only oh. have him at number five because of the way this is working. Uh, he'd be number one on my list. Just, was, yeah. just for... I mean, he's racist. Like, you know, the kid with the red nose. I mean, disability, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. I think of it as a race the entitle- thing. The enti- like yeah. the elitist entitlement, too. Just like, oh, and also, how about the fact that, w- oh, sure, he'll be nice when he needs you. Oh, yeah. Talk about the, the opportunism yeah. Yeah. employed by this Santa yeah. is shameful. You should want and need everyone, no matter the disability or their glaring, bright <laughs> inadequacy. Rudolph, will you turn down that nose that... That wonderful yeah. nose that will get me through the fog and yeah. bring great... He's even being Fuck off. right to the very end. He's being yeah. Rudolph, turn off your goddamn ridiculous fucking nose. Oh, oh, oh wait a wait, second. Wait. Holy, <laughs> yeah, he's a holy shit, it's got a use. Oh uh, how about yeah. when he goes when he's talking to the uh, elves or the elves go? The unedited right. version of that special is so much better. <laughs> they go they go, all right. Motherfucker, turn down that goddamn nose. How many times? When when he when he's, the elves are practicing and the one guy goes, hey, remember this is you know the head elf goes, remember this is for Santa, a one, a two, and they sing, we are Santa's elves, yeah. and they said they look at him and he just goes, well, 
It needs work. Dick. I gotta go. Yeah, <laughs> he's just such a oh, dick. Oh, Santa, Sa- Papa, you need to eat. Fuck you, woman. I know what I need to eat. <laughs> Bumbles fucking bounce. All really? Right. I mean, how many? Wait, quick count for everyone watching along or playing along at home. How many like true dicks are there in that? Yukon Cornelius is just weird. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's dude. He's weird. Oh, the the boss of the elves who. You know, oh, throws out the gay elf. Yukon Cornelius. Yukon Cornelius is like if an Eddie Bauer ad just like had a yeah. pi- ate a pile of edibles. Yeah. He's such a weird. Yeah. <laughs> he's such a weirdo. How about Clarice though? She's like uh, she's there's always show. tomorrow. Yeah. This is like cute, the, cute. for dreams like, to come true. And you're like dad? Clarice, blink twice if they're yeah. treating you terribly where you are. <laughs> his, his dad is awful. Oh, he's but, a, but what a horrible right. song to sing to somebody who's obviously not not a motivated person. It's right. like it's like Stiz's theme song. Right. The yeah. Bumble, yeah, it's just miserable. The Bumble, his dad, the coach, right? Who says, coach "Oh, great deck, takeoff, yeah. yeah." Not bad for our first try. And how about Burl Ives, who gives a terrible name to gay snowmen standing and singing in the wilderness <laughs> by themselves? Pantless snowmen, right? Lurking around oh, around well, the children, just sliding around. I was just, rooting for the sun. All right, here we go. That's Where was second, the sun in that film? That's your second Soleil bring back. To number right, four, the, everyone's last pick here now. Nick, who is your number one dick of Christmas, number four on our list? Bah, humbug. This was so easy. Again, we go back to this beloved movie that is shown for 12 straight times, 24 hours straight on TNT every Christmas, and deservedly so. But you seem to dodge for 10 years at a time. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, I've seen this one recently, and I, and I love it so. Uh, a little bit of a hidden villain, not necessarily as hidden. Actually, there's really no hiding George's uh, first villain, the son, the Dick, the son. Jesus. Uh, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna go with the Bumpuses, not the Bumpus Hounds, but the Bumpuses. We can only imagine if if somebody ever has the creative wherewithal <laughs> to make a movie on the other side. It would be a fun movie to make. Like, what's life like on the other side of a Christmas story? I want to see a movie called The Bumpuses. Because I want to know why they have... Bumpuses! Sons of bitches! Bumpuses! Bumpuses! So, why do can these people not get out of their own way? Why do they have these hounds? Why do they leave these hounds out all the time when they know they chase and harass the neighbors? There's no beware of the dog. I mean, at this point now, we they would be so embroiled in so many lawsuits. Oh, it would yeah. be such a shit show. They would be locked up. These dogs would be put down or rehomed. None of this would happen. People but back then, story, you could have a yard yeah. full of hounds. You could be those people with the dogs. And that they just willingly leave them out to attack these people. They savage the turkey. They savage their Christmas dinner. Ruin their Christmas dinner. And they have no remorse whatsoever. <laughs> they truly... Truly are the biggest dicks of Christmas, but I think we've stumbled across the idea. The fun movie is the re- the return. Like if we can make, if they can make Cobra Kai, we need to see. Uh, I want to see the Bumpuses. Yeah. You could see like, yeah, you could have like little images of of Ralphie on the other side just walking by, and the and you just or, see you just see from the or, side the or, glasses. Or like, you know, yeah. hey, things are going real hey. well, and then suddenly a shotgun BB goes what, flying. Uh, what would yeah. be brilliant? Hey, Fifty bucks the kid shoots his eye out. You're on. What would be brilliant is if you if you. If you painted the if you painted the bumpuses as like victims, 
Yes. And showed it from yes. their perspective that they're the ones who are kind of being tortured they're by this wacky family. They're, they're yes. saving yes. you. Make, yeah. Yes, you make Ralphie's family yes. the antagonist. Yes. Yes. His cussing father next door is a terror. With a giant bright light coming out of his front window in the shape of <laughs> a leg, at, a sexy yeah. leg. What the hell? A porn lamp. <laughs> Reginald, look at that. Look at that lamp. Brilliant. McIntyre. Oh, boy. All right. Let's so, go. the Bumpuses. The Bumpuses. That's, That's a good one. I like that. Uh, let's go on to number three. George, what is your final pick of yep. the biggest dicks of Christmas? Bah, humbug. Well, we haven't mentioned It's a Wonderful Life yet, but I think it's coming up uh, again. But Uncle Billy from It's a Wonderful Life. Yeah, he cocks up the whole thing. Yeah, th- th- there's a lot of unsung dicks in, in <laughs> It's a Wonderful Life, if I may. Uncle Billy is a thorn in George Bailey's side throughout the film, you know, crushing dreams and making incompetent decisions. A uh, uh, little background, Uncle Billy is co-owner of the Bailey Brothers bil- Building and Loan. It looks like George's dad, Pop Bailey, got the better end of this business deal by dying in the first 10 minutes of the oh film. My God. <laughs> <laughs> he left his dumbass brother in charge of the business. <laughs> Knowing that Billy is a dope, George does his best to assist with the clearly terrible business model that was uh, preset for him, and he's unable to achieve his personal life goals. Uncle Billy also causes George to contemplate suicide after carelessly giving Mr. Potter $8,000 of the building and loans deposit. And so with the threat of criminal charges against him, George goes to take a jump off the local bridge, leaving behind his wife and children. Thanks, Uncle Billy. Merry Christmas. Here's some blood on your hands that will never wash off. Wow. Wow. Nice job, Kip. I love this movie so much in so many ways. And and one of the great um, things, Jerry, our friend Jerry sent us a link to the Lost Ending. I don't know if you guys actually watched that. Saturday Saturday Night Live did a sketch in the 80s of the Lost Ending of It's a Wonderful Life. Now, I just called Clarence at the bank. He told me that old man Potter deposited exactly $8,000 right after I left. It was him! Well, what are we waiting for? Let's go get it. But it satisfies a lot when you watch that movie over the years, as I've done religiously. You always go like, yeah, Potter never got his due. Uh, And although they saved George... Uncle Billy never really gets vindicated. He's just always going to be seen as a guy. And so Phil Hartman plays Uncle Billy in the sketch. He comes in, he's like, I remember. I remember. I was in Potter's bank. And I left it on the table. And they all go and lynch Mr. Potter. I'll give you the money back. I don't want the money. I want a piece of you, Potter. It's the most. He's not even a cripple. Yeah, that's right. But, But Uncle Billy's taunting Potter like oh no look at this Harry Bailey big celebration and and, and, like taunting him about the like just do your job are you suggesting though that uh, Potter maybe doesn't take the money if he's not being taunted at that moment well he's gonna take it anyway Billy's so stupid for giving it to him yeah I know and and it's one of those scenes that again you know is coming for the millionth time and it's hard to watch when you get to that scene in the bank and he's got the money and everything's going well for George and he's like no you always wanted to not leave it on the stupid table but if you had $8,000 in your pocket dude you're not losing it you're not going to lose it I've got my string on my finger but so we talk about the biggest dicks of Christmas is Sam Wainwright maybe the biggest hero of Christmas think about this when they uh, the whole town comes together they start putting the money in the hat and the whole thing and then here comes somebody goes, oh, hee-haw, Merry Christmas, Sam Wainwright, $25,000. That's yeah. so far and beyond. Yeah. At that point, the people in the town are starting to p- pick their money back yeah, up. Yeah, like, whoa, whoa. <laughs> like, look, on the bright side. Yeah, he's going to Jugu Box money. You know? Yeah. So it may be the biggest heroes of Christmas. The Un- richest unsung hero. In- unsung hero. Yes. Yeah. The richest man in town. But that's payback. 
That's that's, that's narrative payback because of everything that George gave up for the town and, and put people in their homes. Yeah. So I think they wanted to reward him at that point, and that's why it went way over. But God, that movie's so great. All it right, is let, a great movie. Let's move on to number two, the second biggest dig of Christmas according to this list, and in order, Maddie, who do you got? Bah, humbug. All right, so this is my number one, uh, number two overall. This one was easy because this has been bothering me since the movie came out. Oh, God, this is going to feel good. <laughs> this is Mark, the sign guy in Love Actually, or as oh. I like to call it, It's a Wonderful Life for Chicks. <laughs> Andrew Lincoln, who plays Rick Grimes, Carl, on The Walking Dead, plays this character, Mark, who's in love with his best token black guy friend's wife, Julia. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Played bro, his best token black guy friend? Or, yeah. his, or the movie's token black guy friend? Yeah, the, no, it's his best friend. The, this also happens no, to No, it's the, his token. He it, has one because it's, it's him. It's his and the right. movie's token. Right. Right. Gotcha, okay. Uh, revisionist history, party of one, your review is ready. I think he was black, wasn't he? Yeah. He was, yeah. Julia, played by the... See, I don't, I don't see color, Nick. Julia, you, played, you have this you have this nice interracial romance going on, and Mark's got to come and cock it all up. Julia, played by the borderline too cute Kira Knightley. So after a dozen scenes of him creeping around the betrothed of his unsuspecting buddy, ironically shuffling around like some kind of walking dead cheater zombie, he decides to profess his love to her by ripping off Bob Dylan using signage to profess his backstabbing love, but it's more like subterranean lovesick blues, and it sucks. Any real friend knows when your buddy has a hot wife, you're allowed to say three things to her when your buddy is not around, and three things only. One, oh, really, he's not home? Two, gotta go. Three, tell him I came by, and here's a screen grab proving I was here exactly 23 seconds. When you think a bro's wife is hot, you, as Vince Vega once so eloquently put it, Get out of there, drink your drink, say goodnight, gonna have a very lovely evening, go home, jerk off, and that's all you're gonna do. Yeah. Oh, yeah, Maddie, right. well done. Thanks for ruining Christmas by showing bros everywhere that it's okay to give adultery for Christmas. And shame on her, by the by, for imbibing this awful behavior by running after him and kissing him at the end. <gasps> all I want for Christmas is fidelity. Wow, Maddie. well oh. done, Maddie. That's <laughs> terrific. Now, hate that movie. I fucking hate that movie. Now, do you hate the movie or oh you hate the, just that part of it? I hate that part of it. It's so saccharine. It's overdone. It's so uncomfortable. It's douche chilling. And so many scenes. The little that weirdo little kid drummer who's in love with this the girl, yeah. fifteen year old girl going on twenty. This girl looks like Mariah Carey at sixteen, and this little waifish mutant is playing the <laughs> wow. drums. And, 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 like, they're going to end up together somehow. Yeah. It's just a mess. The whole movie's a mess. It's made for chicks. It's a complete chick flick, and it's uncomfortable. It's awful. And Hugh Grant, I'm going, to, I'm going to grant the love of this commoner with my prime minister cock. Like, get out of here. <laughs> oh we all know God. that Hugh Grant has no interest in some common chick with chubby thighs. Right. And, and, and Alan Rickman is awful. Cheats on his wife, never really... You know what his big apology is? His big mea culpa? She does an unbelievable acting scene at the big... They're all, they all show up at the, at the school play or whatever the fuck it is. And, and she, she finally breaks down. She's like, you've embarrassed me. And the worst thing is you made my life a joke. And he goes, I swear to God, after getting caught on cheating on his wife in front of his family, he goes, Where are oh. my detonators? <laughs> he goes... <laughs> yes, nice job. He goes, oh, I'm the classic boob. Or something like that. Like, right. I'm the classic heel. And by the way, isn't it Emma? Like, and, no, he's, and he's fine. isn't he married to Emma Thompson? Yes, that's her who, character. Emma, Emma Thompson. I'm sorry. She made a good lay. I, what? 
George. She'd be a good life. George. One of the great actors of our time. Dave, Dave you have a lot of editing to do. <laughs> I was going to say, it would be difficult for anyone to find a way to cheat on Emma Thompson. I'm going to find the line. But a great lay... She, you know what? I think he I said know, that. I think he she just probably said that. Yeah, you know what? Potter, classic. Yeah. Come into my office. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it seems as though George has used the boner armor spell again because there's a bulge coming from his pants. <laughs> All right, let's move on to the number one dick of Christmas, and it is my pick. Ah, humbug. Harry Bailey from A Wonderful Life. We're coming off. What? Yes. What's Harry? Ha- Harry Bailey. Here so is much. why. I, I've known this. Let's see if Harry, wow. Here is, okay. here is, here is right. why Harry is the number one dick of Christmas. Think about it this way. First of all, if Harry perishes in the water, George's life goes great. <laughs> if Harry, Harry instead gets saved by George, who loses his hearing, okay, then Harry... After his father dies, take George's college money because George has to stay behind and save the saving uh, build the building alone. He takes the college money. He goes off, uh, has a football scholarship. All sorts of crazy things happen. To, uh, super uh, fun for. But George has to stay back the whole yeah. time. He's not allowed to go anywhere. He's got to hang family on to. Business. That's right, the family business. So then here comes Harry. He comes back, and this is the time we're gonna swap out at the train station. Can't wait. I've, I'm so excited. Train whistles and, and peanut and the whole thing. And I'm going to take off. Nope. Harry comes back with a woman on his arm. He's married. Oh, and by the way, that's not enough. He's got a fucking job, which means, <laughs> and the job is a good fucking job. And everyone knows George can't, you know, let Harry go away with not having the good job. So then that happens. And then uh, after that, the the war happens. George has to stay back because of his goddamn bum here because of who? Harry. That's right. Thank you very much. Uh, so on top of that, Harry goes off to war instead and becomes a fucking hero. Yeah. Now, we all know George would have gotten two of those Purple Hearts, you know. Yeah. Right. Well, hold on. No. Oh, all right, go ahead. Okay. He has Finish. a family Purple Heart. So then, so then, after George again saves the fucking town and has to bail out Uncle Billy, and so does Mary by going and get everyone... Pool and money. He's also planning Harry's welcome home party because George is such a straight up fucking motherfucking man. That's right. And so anyway, af- after after get out Sam more, Wainwright has already saved everything, yeah. here comes Harry. By the way, Harry doesn't donate a dollar, <laughs> but does contribute to the line of the movie. Here's to my big brother George, the richest man in town, which is all that anybody starts. That's when everyone starts crying. Yeah. So this goddamn asshole who starts off. You know, nearly killing his brother, forcing him to jump right. in a goddamn icy cold lake. Was it? Yeah. And, and then by the end yeah. of the movie, he's he's suckered us all in. Harry Bailey is the biggest dick of Christmas. He lived George's life. But didn't it's, par- it's parallel lives yeah. in a lot of ways. Yeah. But didn't uh, didn't Mr. Gower slap him on the ear, and that's why he was deaf? No. He was no. Deaf. After he saved Harry. Yeah. No, he lost he his hearing deaf. from going in the from water. Going to water because he got back to work and his ear was bleeding. Well, Gower's a dick too, though. Well, yeah. he was a, yeah. All right. I don't know. I feel like George had to stay. The whole point of that movie is about destiny, and it wasn't his destiny to be a war hero. His destiny was to stay home, and Harry played his heart, his part. Plus, Harry was goddamn so handsome, and uh, he had to be the war hero. <laughs> That's the problem. He was more handsome than his brother. That's an interesting choice, Buck. Yeah, it is. Because if you don't think about it, none of that stuff happens. But again, right. you need the dicks to make these great movies. Oh, no. Right? Those men all died because Harry wasn't there to save them because you weren't there to save Harry. Tell me where Mary is. Uh, let's go ahead and wrap this one up. Real quick, guys, I wanted to ask you, um, yes. just by a show of hands, Die Hard, Christmas movie. 
No. Recent study shows 73% of Americans do not believe Die Hard is a Christmas movie. America believes in me, and I believe in you, America. And I uh, I think that shows us uh, right there that Nick doesn't know what show of hands means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. George? No, I think that came out this summer, and, and we may have discussed it on this podcast, yeah. but uh, it's not a Christmas movie. Thank okay. you. Man? I, I... <sighs> Seeing Gremlins is the same thing. Yeah, but Gremlins. I think great. what defines a Christmas movie is if, for you, it invokes feelings of Christmas spirit. Yes. And for me, it does not. But I'm being a cheater because Lethal Weapon does, and that's not a Christmas. That's movie. That's right. You've argued that Lethal Weapon. <laughs> Lethal Weapon feels like a Christmas that's movie right. to me, but that's just my. That was last thing. year on our top Christmas movie right. podcast, yeah. which of course you can find in our still functioning archives where we do our sports podcast. At waf.com slash podcast, we have many of the old BS 101 podcasts, which we maintain and used to do Shawshank Dawn in a different name. We did last year's one, and I think we had this very same debate. Yeah. And Lethal Weapon, you argued for being a Christmas movie, and we said that Die Hard is not. When you're closing credits, is I'll be home for Christmas. You know what I mean? Like, that to me... But and, and Die I think Hard Christmas had to let it snow. I know, so I think it might be. And the, uh, and there's a lot of themes at Christmas. The Christmas party. Yeah. He, word Christmas is mentioned so many times. Ho ho ho. Oh, the Santa hat. I mean, I, 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 it might be. So Bruce, it might Bruce be. Bruce said it was not. Well, fuck him. What's he know? Well, so here's what I say to that. He there, made Hudson there's Hawk. Room for, <laughs> there's room for everybody at the Christmas table. I, I think every every year I end up watching Die Hard around this time of year, and I'm sure, Maddie, you said you watch Lethal oh, I watch it. Maddie I watch it multiple Rocky times a year. But what I don't do is I don't watch Elf in the Summer. Oh, I'm, I do not true. watch Elf in the Summer. That's true. But I can watch Die Hard any time of the year. Yes. Okay, you. fair enough. That's a good point. All right, so let's go ahead and wrap this one up. So, uh, as we say, we want to say a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, a Happy Kwanzaa, whatever else you celebrate. And uh, we will see you again soon. But let's, uh, real quick, Maddie or uh, Nick, who mm-hmm. else Who else we want to uh, mention? Uh, yes, well? we want to thank everyone at Pod 617 Network as well. Uh, thank you, everyone that we offended uh, during this podcast <laughs> tonight. Thank you, everyone who made these movies. And thank you to all the dicks that we didn't mention. I'm sure there are some honorable dicks that we'd like to probably shout out on the way. Some really big dicks. All right. You know what, actually, that's fine. Uh, Please stay tuned. At the end of the year, we will be doing one final podcast to wrap up 2018. We'll be doing the What We Were Shawshanked By in 2018 end-of-year podcast. You can find me at Ahoy Nick Stevens, also at FitzyGFY, and, of course, as part of at MaddieNickWAAF, 3 to 7, weekdays on 107.3 WAAF-FM, Boston. Ho, 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 ho! Go fuck yourselves, everybody! All right, and with that, one more time. I'm at the other Pats fan. You can catch me on the Pats fan say videos. Uh, after school special, George, I'm Maddie and Nick. Love you. Thanks for that, Maddie. I'm at Jerry Thornton. No, 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 That's Jerry weird Thornton because one, he's at Jerry Thornton one. That's right. Oh, damn it. Yeah. Too much time on Oak Island. Wait, hold on. Uh, and where's the Oak Island fan page yeah, shout Oak out? Island. Oh, please, come on. Maddie has a fan page now. He does Oak Island talkback shows after every Tuesday Facebook Live. Make sure you tune in. It's, it's, Maddie, it's called Maddie Blake. I think. It's called the Maddie Blake, Blake fan page. Maddie Blake fan page. Yeah. Oh, I don't know what it's called as he invites us all. It's got a great uh, avatar picture. Yeah. yeah. Uh, let's uh, go ahead and say goodbye. This is uh, at Uncle Buck at WAF, and we will see you next time. Remember, until then, folks, you've been Shawshank. 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 Ho, 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 ho! Go f*** yourselves, everybody!